it's a joy to stand here today. It's amazing. Over many years, I, I've preached sermons, and every time, they're all different. And that's cool. They don't have to be the same. And you know what? There's many sermons that have been preached from this platform, and they've been all different and all different personalities. And I've preached sermons that have been slow. I've preached sermons that have been intimate. Today, I think this is going to be the machine gun sermon because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that God has put on my heart. So much so, I made an insert. It's two a double-sided insert in your bulletin because I doubt I'll say it all. So, and actually there was a lot more that I wanted to say, but I shrunk it down to that. And you know what, as, as we get into the Word today, I wanted to, to, to just start off and, and give you an illustration. Years ago I was teaching, I believe it was on evangelism, I don't even remember what I was teaching on, but I was teaching in this group and um, I had mentioned this, this, this idea is that you could take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You know, and I said that. And, and this old country boy raised his hand and said, Pastor, that's not right. I grew up and we raised horses. You could take a horse to water and you can make him drink. And I'm like, okay. He said, you put a handful of salt in their mouth. And they'll drink every time. And I'm like, well, I'm educated. I didn't know that. I've been saying that for a long time. Everyone says that. You can take a horse to water and make them drink. So I want to today just give you the idea that this is a little salt. And some of the things I'm going to talk about, some of the stories I'm going to talk about is, is salt just to get you thirsty for more of God. And, and another thing I want to say before we get started this on this is also um, some of the things I may say, I want God to get the glory. I'm not here saying this happened in our family or, or whatnot for, for any uh, glory to come on Christine and our eye. You know, we're just thankful for God's leading and God's direction. And it's all about him. And I just wanted to, to make that mention before we start. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles, and I believe it's going to be on the screen too. Um, to, to John 14, uh, um, and we're going to start in verses 15 through 18, then we're going to read also verses 25 and 26. As you're looking there or finding it or if it's on the board, I just want to mention we're coming into a season of Easter. This is the first of Easter messages. This particular portion is where Jesus said, hey, I'm going away to prepare a place. It's that heaven portion. And a lot of times when people turn to this passage, they talk about the mansions and glory. And, and it's an exciting time. And as we come into Easter season, I know it's an exciting time in our family. And we're looking to get together with family members that we're not usually with. In fact, today after service, I'm going to see my, my brother and my sister, well, my brother and his girlfriend, I almost say sister-in-law, it sometimes seems like they need to get married, but anyway, we're going to see them, and I haven't seen, so, so you have these times in family situations that you come into maybe not the most comfortable situations at Easter time, 
And, and I want to tell you that this message is for you today because what we're talking about is about the Holy Spirit and that promise. And when you come into those uncomfortable family situations this Easter, be armed with the Holy Spirit. He'll bless. And I'm preaching to myself too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your great love. Meet us here in a special way. Amen. Amen. Good stand as we read this portion in John. John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray that the Father, to pray the Father, you know. There we go. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jump down to verse 25, and it says this. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Amen. You may be seated. Here in this this talking about, he's telling the disciples he's going away. He talks that he's going to prepare a place, but more important, he said that there is a gift that's coming. There is a helper that's coming. He promises, in some versions it says the comforter. Some it's the helper. Um, And and later on in verse 25, he says that, I mean, 26, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. So he gives it a little little more depth in 26. He said, I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you a helper, and it's the Holy Spirit. And he says, you, you know him. He's going to be with you. And this is the cool thing. Jesus says, he will be within you also. Not only is he going to be with you, he's going to be within you. The, the word comforter, the word helper there, it, you know, a lot of people uh, look deeper, and the Greek word there means intercessor, counselor, advocate, comforter. You know, all these things is the Holy Spirit to us. And he is sending them. He's saying, I I need to go away, but you're not going to be alone anymore. Now, we know in our Bible record that Jesus doesn't walk this earth anymore. Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's ascended to heaven. That happened. He's resurrected. He's ascended to heaven. And in that role and being ascended to heaven, what moves on this earth is the third person of the Godhead, and that's the Holy Spirit. And that's something that often we don't, we don't talk about as much in the church. Now, one thing, when we came here and, and God led us here to Aliquippa, we were, we were, were uh, touched by the messages here because Crestmont is a church that talks about the Holy Spirit, and that's exciting. And that's one of the things that... that 
confirmed in our heart that we were supposed to attend this church. You know, another thing is we talk about this helper, and I'm not going a lot of these things I could really camp out on and preach whole sermons on these things. But as I said, we're going to go through some of this really quick. Then in verse uh, John 16, 7, it says this. We're talking about the Holy Spirit again. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And th this thing, this next statement is a mind boggler to me, okay? He's here with the disciples. The disciples saw him do all these incredible things. And this is what he tells them in John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Could you imagine being in that room? You're there with Jesus. He, you've been following him for three years. All these amazing things have happened. You're willing, at least Peter said he was willing to die. You, you, you're, you're, you're in this room, and Jesus saying, it's to your advantage that I go away. Wow. My wife went away one night last week to a conference for work. It was not to my advantage. And here Jesus is telling his disciples this. He said, it is your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Wow. You know what? Jesus is going to go to the cross soon. He's going to defeat the enemy. But he's not saying that it's important for me to go to the cross so you can be saved. He's not saying it's important for me to go to the cross so you can go to heaven. He says it's an advantage for me to go away because I'm going to send the comforter. This is the thing. It's an advantage for him to go away because he is going to send heaven to you. Wow. You know, I read this, I'm I, I mean, reading in hindsight, but those disciples, I don't know what they were thinking. He said, I'm going to send it to you. Wow. It is your advantage. I didn't get these. Then we see, as he goes through the Scripture, that he renews this promise. After he did die and be crucified, he rose again. In Luke 24, he, he renews the promise of this Spirit. And Luke 24, 49 says, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, so this is early. This is before his crucifixion. He promises the helper. He's crucified. He's raised. What a, what a time that might have been. He came back, the disciples, and then he's reminding them. He says, I'm going to send the promise. I'm going to send the promise. In Acts, it goes even a little deeper. When they've been assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, 
which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not in many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he renews this promise. He renews this promise. It's cool. He sent this gift, this promise, this Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, my sister-in-law gave me a gift. It's right here. In fact, this is a gift that a couple years ago I didn't even know existed. And then when I found out it existed, I wanted one, but I never bought myself one. It is a mandolin. You say, well, what is a mandolin? See, I didn't know. A mandolin is a tool for the kitchen. Man, you could chop things with this. You could grate things with this. You could julienne things. You could make French fries. Man, that must be a cool thing. You make coleslaw with this mandolin. Now, I wanted one. It can do a lot of things. It has four interchangeable blades <laughs> for slicing and grating. So I had this. I thanked my sister-in-law for the gift, and I put it in the floor of the pantry. The other day, I was cutting cabbage. I thought, I should probably get out the mandolin. It could do all these things. But you know what I thought? Man, I'm going to have to wash it first. <laughs> I'm going to have to wash it first. And then once I get it out of the box, where am I going to put it? We have a small kitchen. Where am I going to put this thing? You say, well, why are you telling us this? See, I'm telling you, this as a church, we have a gift that could do so many things. But we don't get it out of the box. We don't rely on it. We don't go and say, oh, you know, I could use the gift of the Holy Spirit in this situation. So often, we just do things the way we always do it. I like my chef's knife, and I don't want to leave my chef's knife behind. And that's with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things. But in the church today, so many people don't open the box. They don't use it. You know what? Let me just tell you some of these things that the Holy Spirit does. And this is on the paper handout. And I'm not going to read all these portions of Scripture because I want to get through some of this stuff. The Holy Spirit... Number one is some of the help. The Holy Spirit does a lot more than this. I just picked out four big things in, that, that's affected my life. Number one, the Holy Spirit brings sanctification power into the life of the Christian. Okay? When John Baptist came and they asked him, are you the Christ? He was baptizing. He said, are you the Christ? And he said, he said I baptize with water to repentance. 
But the one who comes after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire, burning away the chaff. This is a picture of sanctification, where the chaff is those things in people's lives that, that are, are, are not, not glorifying God. Sometimes they're not even bad, but they're in the way of you being all that you can be. And he paints this picture. He says, John, John the Baptist says, there's a winnowing uh, fan in her hand. And they're blowing away the chaff. And, and he's going to burn all that stuff up. So the first thing that really impacted me is that the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, helps us with our sanctification. I was saved in 1982. And when I was saved, I was a came out of a, a season of, you know, any parent's nightmare. I'm the parent's nightmare. You talk to my mom, I was the parent's nightmare. I was saved out of a season of rebellion and debauchery and you name it, I was, I was messed in it. And after I got saved, a lot of those things were still hanging on to me. And then there was a, a Saturday, no, I'll take this back, a Sunday night service that, that the church that it went to, we had Sunday night service, and afterward we had what they called tarrying services. And around the altars, and that night there was a special guest evangelist there, and, and we were praying, we were praying, we were praying, and the Spirit filled me. And it was that point where some of those things that were hanging on dropped off the power so the sanctification is a tool of the holy spirit um then we we talked about this church that we wanted to be an acts 1a church but the holy spirit gives us a power to witness you want to be effective in telling people about god it doesn't matter how much of the bible you read now it won't hurt to read the bible but you can read and study all this and know every sentence. But until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are not going to be effective in witnessing. I've seen people that know virtually nothing about the Bible get filled with the Spirit. And man, people come to Christ all around them. It's a power to witness. Then there's the fruit of the Spirit. And that's Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The power of the Spirit grows these fruits in our spirit. And then we have the gifts of the Spirit. And I like, like this passage. It opens up, Paul says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Well, he's call, calling names. No. He's saying, I want to educate you. And he goes through this list of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. As I said, all these things could be a, a huge teaching time in themselves. I'm going to assault you. I want you guys to look more into these things that I just mentioned. Look more into these scriptures. Because the Holy Spirit wants these things to be in your life. And one thing, it's interesting here, where, where both Jesus and John the Baptist talks about Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was at the river. He wasn't baptizing 
20 people in one dunk. He baptized each person individually. The Holy Spirit gift is not for the corporate church. I mean, it is, but it's not that, oh, the whole church is baptized in the Holy Spirit. The whole church is filled with the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. The filling of the Spirit happens individually. It's one person at a time. It is a personal gift. It is a personal experience. It happens sometimes in a corporate setting, but it is a personal. I was filled with the Spirit at the same time some other people in our church were filled with the Spirit. But it was a personal experience for me. It's a personal experience for me. I still haven't used my mandolin. And the reality is this, is that a lot of people in the church aren't using the Spirit, aren't receiving the Spirit, aren't being filled with the Spirit. Uh, an author I love is Ruth Paxson. She was a missionary to China, and a lot of her books are out of print now. But she wrote this one book called Rivers of Living Water. And in, in, in her first chapter, she talks about uh, the marks of carnal Christians and the marks of spiritual Christians. And so often as I read through those marks, I'm like, God, I find myself as a carnal Christian rather than a spiritual Christian. We need to take hold of those spiritual things. This is from the, the Alliance website under the article about the sanctifier. It says this, the sad reality, most American Christians show little evidence in their lives that they have been separated from sin. Most, most American Christians behave in ways that make it difficult to believe that they have been set apart for the service of God. Set apart for the service of God. You know, here is our denomination. That's their declaration. So they're not talking about the Catholic Church. They're talking about the CMA. Am I saying that right? The C M A and A? No. No, M, whatever. They're saying it. Man. I want to say some real quick facts and then I want to talk about something really. Okay. Um, I'm just going to go these real quick. So some things that I see in the scripture, and I didn't put the portions or uh, places. If you have any more questions about these things, they are in the notes. I'm just going to read them quick. Um, being filled with the Spirit is not the same as salvation. Okay, and this is the position of the, the Christian Missionary Christian and Missionary Alliance. Okay. Okay. So being filled with the, with the Spirit is not the same as salvation. It's a, some people use the word, it's a second definite work of grace. Okay? In the Bible, the filling of the Spirit was often accompanying by speaking in tongues. 
you know, that's true. You read the times and then the portions of where people were filled with the Spirit, it often was accompanied by speaking in tongues. The filling of Spirit was often shared by the laying on hands. And we find in the, 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 the end of Luke this idea. Prayer and praise builds the atmosphere, atmosphere for the filling of the Spirit. It builds the atmosphere. And when I say that in the end of Luke, when after the ascension, Jesus said, wait for the promise, it said that they went back praising God in prayer, and it said they were continually in the temple. They were continually in the temple. And later on in Acts, it says they were daily in the temple. Daily in the temple. Salvation, like salvation, being filled with the Spirit. Now, this is, this is one that's important. Like salvation, being filled with the Spirit is available for all believers. Now, some of the gifts are not available for all believers because God gives them the way he wants. But the filling of the Spirit's available for all believers. Next, this is, this is an important thing in my life. Next to salvation, this is me, next to salvation, being filled with the Spirit is the greatest gift that God has given me. It's the greatest gift that God has given us. order here. Oh, there we go. You know, A.B. Simpson wrote this. There is nothing which, and, and you know what, I typed this last night, and, and my, my wife did not proofread this. A.B. Simpson didn't say which twice. I don't know. I did. There is nothing which is not covered by the promise of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing. Okay, listen to this. This is the greatest gift in our lives. You know, it was great to see the children being dedicated here today. And parents, I will tell you this. The best thing you can do in raising your parent, raising your kids, well, sometimes it seems like the kids raise the parents, but the best thing you could do in raising your children is be filled with the Holy Spirit. I am so glad that God filled both Christy and I with the Holy Spirit and God directed us in, the, in relationship with our children. And the times that we blow with our kids is usually we're operating in our flesh instead of the Spirit. The Spirit is, is just so much part of our children's family. My wife and I, we were attending a church in New Jersey and we could not have children. We were not having children. We had our retirement already. Because we were, we were married seven years before we had children. So we, we had that experience. But we couldn't. And, and, and we weren't having children. And, and the church was praying for us. And Christine had some tests. And she had to have surgery. Even after the surgery, they said, there's, there's, there's a good chance that she's not going to have children. Man, the ladies of that church, they would surround her and pray in the Holy Ghost over her. We have children now. We have children now. As, as a parent, 
It's so important for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God has woken me up, and, and I, I can still see it. God has woken me up by Spirit, led me to the bed of one of my daughters, and said, this child you need to pray more for. This child you need to pray more for. See, we don't parent our children by being fair. God's not care, God, God doesn't care if we're fair to our kids. We parent our children by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will give you different directions for different kids. It's all right not to do the same thing. Parent, children, don't be jealous if that child didn't get spanked as much. Has nothing to do with you. It's the Holy Spirit. I can... <laughs> No going back to this. We need, <laughs> we need the filling of the Holy Spirit in our everyday life. We need it in our roles as, as spouses. Roles as spouses. You know, I am so glad we have the Holy Spirit in our married life. We are going to be celebrating this month. No. <laughs> Next month, 29 years. God's good. And I tell you, with those 29 years, there's a lot of times we needed the Holy Spirit in our relationship. Because people, people are just downright mean to each other sometimes. We need Holy Spirit guidance in our relationships. We need Holy Spirit guidance with our, with our, our, our kids. We need Holy Spirit guidance in our workplace. We need... Holy Spirit guidance in our neighborhoods. Our neighborhoods need us to be full of the Holy Spirit. Our neighborhood doesn't need Pastor Joel to be full of the Holy Spirit and visit every once in a while. Our neighborhoods need us to be full of the Holy Spirit and to walk according to the Spirit as we love on those around us. The church needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, reading through the book of Acts, I am so glad that the Holy Spirit was there. And I know we're, we're coming to the end of our time here, so I just want to take a, a few moments. But Eutychus, you ever heard of Eutychus? He's one of my favorite people in the book of Acts. Eutychus fell asleep. Okay, don't feel bad when you fall asleep with, with, with me preaching. Here... The apostle Paul is preaching, and Eutychus falls asleep. He was in the balcony, on the edge of the balcony. He fell off, <laughs> fell down dead. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, prophesied over him, rebuked him. No, he went over there, laid hands on him, and Eutychus was brought back to life. Then he went back on preaching. Man, that's, you know... The church has a lot of dead members that need the Holy Spirit preaching. No. There's this old, old preacher story. You might have heard it, you might have not. There, there, was, a, there, there was this church in, in, I was told it was in West Virginia, but it could be in Aliquippa for all we know. There's this church that every summer, every summer would have a revival meeting. 
the preacher would come in every summer. And, and the church would pack up. And the town drunk would come to the revival meeting every summer. Every summer he'd come to the revival meeting. And he, he'd, he'd be in the back at first. Then he'd be halfway up. By the end of the revival meeting, he's there at the altar saying, Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. The Lord fills him. He comes out from that time and he quits drinking. He gets back with his wife. Things are going well. A month, things are going well. Two months, things are going well. Three months, he starts, ah. Oh. And by the next year, he's the town drunk again. And so the process goes again. Revival meeting starts. The town drunk comes in. He goes in the back and he comes up. Comes the altar. This is happening year after year after year. So it's revival meeting again. The town drunk comes in. Da, 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 da. He gets up the door. He says, fill me now, fill me now. A little old lady in the back of the church stands up and says, don't do it, Lord. He leaks. <laughs> and the reality is this, and I want to end with this thought, is the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-time experience. The reason he fell off the wagon every year is because that altar does not last the whole bit. We have to be refilled. And the Scripture says it. It says it in, in, in Acts 4, 31. This is so cool. In Acts 2, they were baptized with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. The Spirit came. The church was born. Many prayed. They started being persecuted. All the same people came back together, started praying, and the, the Scripture says this, and the whole place was shook like the first day. We're not talking about a different crowd. They were filled again. They were filled again. Ephesians says this, do not be drunk with wine. See, the, the town drunk needed to hear that part. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And this Greek word for being filled with the Spirit often means, you can take it as continually being filled. One commentator says the Greek word means being crammed, being crammed with the Spirit. Paul told Timothy this, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir it up. We all leak. We need to be refilled. We need to be refilled. There's a couple more thoughts in your notes. You can read through them. But I believe God wants you. God wants you to live in that place where you're filled with the Spirit. Don't leave the gift in the box, church. It's not just for Steve Rossi. But it's a blessing when Steve Rossi walks, works in the Spirit. It's not just for that. It's for everyone here. From the person in the sound booth <laughs> to the person on the platform. I need to say this before I dismiss. It's important for our children to know that they can be filled with the Spirit too.
This is not just an adult thing. I have seen kids move and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was brought to the, the, the College of Prayer a wonderful time in memory. He, uh, the pastor, Fred, was talking about his church and how the kids pray. We used to take kids to a, a retreat, and we only picked kids that were open to being filled with the Spirit. And we would come, and they would pray for hours. I remember vividly, we, we moved all the chairs. We're in a conference center. We moved all the chairs, and we taped, masking tape, the map of the world all over this room. And there was a, a kid from a broken home in our church from South Korea. His mom was South Korean. His dad was American. He, they were, he was stationed in Korea, and he came back here. They were, and I just remember him filled with the Spirit laying over North Korea, weeping, weeping, weeping. Not for a minute. We're talking, we were there for hours. That kid is a youth pastor right now today. Nine years old, broken and filled with the Holy Spirit. Weeping. So parents, get your kids around the Holy Spirit. When they come and they say, I don't want to sit in that service. Tough. Make them sit in that service. Make atmospheres where they can experience it. Uh, worship team, come. I know we're coming at the end of the time. So we're going to do this. If you have to go, we know that's fine. But I know Pastor Joel has some people lined up to pray for people. So if you want the filling of the Holy Spirit, if that's something that you want in your life, take some time to come up to these altars. 